0: well hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the car doctor radio program my name is john paul i'm triple h car doctor and i've been hosting the car doctor radio program or broadcast for nearly 30 years now and continuing to do it on this podcast so welcome and uh hopefully enjoy it uh today we have a couple of great things going on we're going to be talking about the uh, new f-150 uh ford pickup truck it happens to be the power boost version that's the one that has the onboard generator, pretty cool vehicle, pretty useful vehicle, depending on what you're going to do with it as well. Also, we're going to be taking some listener questions. We got a few in from last week. We'll address those as well. And you can always email me at jpaul at Northeast.com. So without any further ado... Let's welcome back Josh Aviv. Josh Aviv is the CEO of Spark Charge. Spark Charge is a company that has developed a system to provide portable electric vehicle charging uh, and it does it without generators. Uh, it does it just charging up to a 110-volt outlet, and it can provide level 2 and level 3 charging to electric vehicles. So if you don't have a, the ability to charge at home, spark charge can actually deliver range to wherever you live. So pretty interesting concept. So why don't we start with uh, saying hello to Josh Aviv and welcome back to the Car Doctor radio program. And thanks for joining us.
1: No problem. Super excited to be talking with you again. Um, yeah, we, we first met when we had just come off Shark Tank, uh, securing a million dollars from Mark Cuban and Lori Greer. Um, and we have now recently uh, closed our Series A. Um, we raised about a $23 million Series A uh, a couple of months ago. So excited to be back on the podcast talking with you.
0: And and one of the things that, you know, when we look at electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging Uh, You know, a lot of people are going to charge at home, but that limits the amount of people that live in apartments and in the city that might not have access to uh, charging because of limitations. And I know some state laws are trying to be passed to try to make charging not a hurdle for people that live in apartments, but you have the ability to bring electricity to bring a charge to electric vehicles.
1: We do. With our mobile uh, app currently, EV owners can actually have range delivered to their EV. Uh, This is something that we started last year. Uh, We said, you know, why can't we open up EV adoption by allowing an electric vehicle owner to select the time, the place, location, um, and have range delivered the same way that me and you might order a pizza to our front door. Um, When we first started out, I think we were projecting to to service, I think, you know, maybe about 10,000 miles or so. Um, it was really just a really cool you know, way to, to service EVs. Uh, now we're on track to deliver over a million miles to EV owners. Um, we have EV owners using the service every day to charge their car. So it's been amazing to watch the service grow.
0: And the idea that um, your technology has changed, you're able to charge even a little bit faster these days, right?
1: We are. Um, so, you know, originally we were, you know, I believe uh, limited to about twenty, up to twenty kilowatts. Um, we've now, you know, almost tripled that uh, in terms of speed. So, are you are you
0: delivering the equivalent of level three charging to the roadside or to someone's apartment?
1: Absolutely. And uh, DC fast charger, uh, level three DC fast charger with DC fast charging speed. And so,
0: uh, you
1: know, we hear about people charging,
0: you know, 70% of their battery pack in, you know, 20 to 40 minutes. Is that the type of range you can deliver?
1: Yes, uh, easily, actually. Um, You know, if you think about it, um, some of our units are faster than a Tesla destination supercharger now.
0: That's, That's fantastic. And the idea of bringing charge to someone that is not internal combustion fueled I guess sounds like a phenomenal idea the idea of having an EV and then having to rely on electricity that comes strictly from and I'm thinking kind of you know somebody who could pull up and maybe they have a big you know 12 kilowatt generator and it runs on gas or diesel it seems a little seems a little I guess not so environmentally friendly but you're bringing you're bringing it completely silent
1: and clean right yep it's 100% silent and clean and we've actually even you know started rolling out a 100% electric fleet uh so even the van that shows up now is 100% electric um so 100% electric charging 100% electric delivery um it's something that we've you know really taken to heart um to make sure that this process is 100% clean
0: that 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 I'm sure for people that are EV owners that are that care about the environment, they look at that and they go, well, you know, here's here's a, a vehicle that's going to show up that's electric. It's it's bringing a a, a fully non gasoline powered unit to give me range. Uh, pretty phenomenal stuff. And uh, you know, I. Obviously, from my background here, I work for AAA, we provide road service. Uh, we don't provide a lot of road service to electric vehicles because we've found that most people do a pretty good job of charging their vehicles at home. Very few people with gasoline cars leave the, leave their homes every day with a full tank of gas. Most people drive around with a quarter of a tank of gas, but people mm-hmm. with EVs sort of leave their homes every day with a full tank of electrons and uh you know can usually usually never exceed the range of their electric vehicle but the problem becomes and i talked to somebody with a chevy bolt the other day they live in an apartment so they they have to sort of play a little game of okay where can i find charging can i leave my car overnight is that going to be an issue but the idea that you can literally bring charge to that vehicle um you know, no different than, I guess, you know, 1930s, when the milkman would deliver milk to your house, you're basically delivering electrons to someone's place where, you know, their car might be parked out in the street with a bunch of other cars. And, you know, 30 minutes later, all of a sudden, they now have another 120 miles of range.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very similar to what we see today with how people get goods delivered, right? You know, with Instacart, my groceries get delivered with Grubhub, my, you know, pizza gets delivered with, you know, Uber, my, you know, ride is showing up, right. And they're transporting me to wherever I want to go. When we think about today's day and age where, you know, everything is delivered and everything is made seamless, you know, why can't we bring that to the EV charging experience, right? Create a seamless experience where EV owners, you know, really don't have to worry about that charging aspect. And, you know, what we found is the fact that even with, you know, EV owners that might not run out, you know, um, with like road trips and things like that, 60% of all of our uh, deliveries are done at the home, right? So it's actually people calling it to their home, apartment, condo, high rise, single family. The other 40% is done at the workplace, right? So, hey, I'm going to be at work. They don't have charging. Can I have range delivered there? Um, and so that's something that we really started to see. And the data has really started to show us around the habits of where EV owners are starting to charge.
0: Yeah, I, I live in a very small house with with a not so robust electrical system. And where I happen to live, uh, the nearest EV charger is about 15 miles away. So someday the idea of having a range delivered to me would be a phenomenal way to be able to charge up when I'm not driving someplace where I can get additional charge now part of part of your you know part of what we're talking about here you know delivering range are you working to sort of expand this on your own through spark charge are you thinking to have a service where you can sort of put people in business where they can start uh, delivering range, uh, with with the vehicle, uh, buying your products, being able to go out and, uh, and uh, uh, charge up the world, I guess.
1: Absolutely. So to start, we really wanted the service to, you know, really be within Spark Charge because we wanted to make sure that the quality of the service was there, that we were collecting the right amount of data, that the opportunities that were coming our way, we could really recognize. Um, as we grow, though, we are, you know, looking into more of, hey, can we, Expand this quicker by allowing you know other members to go out and uh, charge cars as well.
0: Yeah, I I know I got a call from somebody probably a couple of months ago that was interested in trying to put together. You know, they were they were talking about buy you know buying a Ford Transit electric vehicle, and then putting your unit in it and be able to set up sort of a subscription service to be able to go around and charge up electric vehicles in and around the Boston area. So the mm-hmm. idea that there's that sort of entrepreneurial spirit as well, which which uh, looks at how people can kind of take what you have done and expand it and and make a business of their own out of it is, is, is pretty amazing.
1: It is. It is. And I think that's really going to enable, you know, more EVs and more places, maybe even more remote places, right, outside larger city city centers, to have that reliance that you can own an electric vehicle because there's a service, you know, operating near you that can come charge you wherever you want. Yeah.
0: Now, you're a Boston-based business, uh, but where where are your products located now? Are they primarily in Boston or are you expanded around the world now?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, we're we're headquartered uh, in Boston, uh, right outside uh, in Somerville, Massachusetts, so right in Assembly Row. And we sell product now around the world. We've got product in Japan, Australia, the UK, uh, currently is up and running now in close to 10 cities, everywhere from San Francisco, San Jose, LA, Dallas, Texas, uh, Berkeley, Oakland, Fremont, Long Beach, Orange County, Uh, you name it. So we've done a really good job expanding it. And we've got the goal to expand into, you know, 20 plus cities here over the next couple of months. Uh, We're looking to expand into San Diego, uh, as well as Boston as well.
0: And, uh, you know, this, this was a business that you started basically almost out of college, right?
1: It is. Yeah, it was the the definition of a dorm room startup. Uh, So started it in college. Uh, grew it to where it is now where you know somewhere close to 45 50 full-time employees spread across the United States
0: well I guess Apple and Microsoft started that way too right
1: that's true everyone everyone starts in a garage or in a dorm room the best ones do
0: there you go and and um, you know right now right now like you said your products are available they're being they're being sold around the world um, do you see a time when um, When uh, I guess the company just grows so fast that you're going to have manufacturing all around the world as well.
1: You know, we really have a belief that if you want something manufactured, it can be manufactured here in the United States. um, If not better than anywhere else in the world. Um, We've really made a commitment to, you know, growing our manufacturing here in the United States right now, every product that is made is made in Buffalo, New York. Uh, We have a plant and a team up there where we hire And if you think about it, you know, that's something that we're extremely proud of. Made in the USA, um, made by a community that, you know, for the past two or three generations has seen manufacturing leave their community, right? Upstate New York used to be, you know, a manufacturing, you know, hub. um, And a lot of companies have pulled out. We're proud to have kind of pulled in. You know, we're proud to have said, hey, you know, we're setting up shop here. And quite frankly, we have no plans of leaving. Uh, we actually plan on expanding uh, manufacturing in upstate New York here in the United States uh, to help grow the need for what you know will be a very big boom in electric vehicle growth. But no reason to, to take it overseas. Uh, it, anything you need can be manufactured here in the States and it can probably be manufactured to higher quality and a lower cost.
0: No question. And thank you for that. It, it, I mean, it, it's going to be it's going to be pretty exciting as a business owner to watch your business grow, especially sort of on, you know, as your business is growing, as electric vehicles are growing, you seem to be in absolutely the right spot at the right time.
1: It is. I mean, if you think about the growth of electric vehicles, right, we're expecting them to, you know, almost quadruple here over the next couple of years. You know, we, we have this saying inside Spark Charge. It's like, you know, when you think about the electric vehicle industry, you know, if, if only, you know, two to 3% of all vehicles globally, right, are electrified, that means there's, you know, 97% out there that still need electrification, right? And that's a massive market opportunity, right? There's still a lot of time left in the game to be played. We're only in the first quarter, right? We're probably five minutes into the first quarter. Uh, so, you know, there's four more quarters to go, right? And we've really got to be able to capitalize on that and be able to service those EV owners.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty exciting time. And, and I would think, you know, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you know, every day you get up, you must look at this and go, you know, how can it get better than this?
1: Yeah, every, you know, it's, it, that's, that's definitely one way to look at it. I would say it's, it's more like, hey, wake up. And, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much happening in the EV space today, right? Um, sometimes it's just, it's, it's like nonstop. There's never a week where there isn't a EV announcement, right. Or an EV, um, breakthrough with some sort of tech or a company that's, you know, making something really cool or an EV that's getting announced. Um, it's an amazing industry to be in, you know, very fortunate to be in it. Um, and very fortunate to be leading, you know, mobile charging in that industry as well.
0: Yeah. Um, a little bit of nuts and bolts about the, the product. Um, how do I charge it up?
1: Yeah, so if you if you have the product, it's we made it a really simple. You just plug it into a wall outlet, same wall outlet that you would plug your phone or laptop into.
0: So it's just it charges it it charges its itself just off a regular 110, 110. 120 volt outlet. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it, it's modular, right? You know, I, I'm looking at the, the picture behind you. There's uh, four modules stacked on top of each other. Each one delivers more kilowatts and they, they sort of bundle together, right?
1: Correct. So you can, we made it modular so that you could scale um, the range that's needed um, and also keep it portable. So basically you can connect the units together to increase the amount of mileage going into the car.
0: And... Uh, you know, when you have the, the stack of four set up and uh, you're delivering range or delivering electricity, um, it, you know, what can that what how much range can that deliver, I guess, is is my question. You know, can I can I go out and, you know, you know, charge up a Mustang Mach-E and then is there more electric, is there surplus electricity left that I can go charge up a second vehicle as well?
1: Absolutely. What we're seeing on our side, you know, average deployment is between 75 to 100 miles. That's what EV owners are asking for. Yep. Right. Um, The beauty of being able to scale it up is that, you know, you could start, you know, with, you know, all the way down to, you know, 10, 20 miles, scale it all the way up to, you know, 100 miles. Right. Um, And deliver that range to EV owners. And that means, you know, you could charge a Mach-E, you know, give it miles and then go charge a Tesla and then go charge a Bolt. Um, it's really up to what the EV owner is requesting, um, but we make sure that we're able to, you know, service that request.
0: And how long does it take to charge up each unit?
1: Uh, well, from recharging a unit, it's, I think it's like three and a half to three and a half hours or something like that.
0: Takes longer to charge up my phone.
1: So yeah, yeah, it, it can, it can, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And and I guess, you know, you know, thinking about I, I just recently drove a uh, uh, pickup truck and it had uh, it had, I think, three hundred and twenty volt, 20 amp outlets in it. So it's almost it's almost like I could, you know, as, as I'm out driving around, I could charge up the unit at the same time and have this continually fully charged unit ready to go.
1: Absolutely. You could 100 percent do that.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: i well, seen people do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, every, everybody jokes with me, well, why can't you have an electric vehicle that has a big generator in it that can charge itself back up? And unfortunately, that's not practical, but your system allows that to sort of happen through the uh, the, the magic of electronics, I guess.
1: It does. It does. You can you, we have uh, we've run some tests. We've actually seen it done um, where you could you know, plug this into uh, an outlet and and drive and have it recharge while you're driving
0: phenomenal stuff um, so where where do you see spark charge going from here just further expansion and uh, uh, more technology do you see the units getting smaller and lighter where's the where's the future of spark Charge?
1: yeah we, we definitely see the units getting smaller and lighter I think on the on the currently side we you know we have a goal to expand into 20 cities over you know the next couple of months which we're super excited about. Uh, From there, we'll look to expand to, you know, 50 cities. And then from there, we'll look to go international. Um, But if you think about it, you know, from from the roadie side, the roadie continues to get, you know, faster year after year, right? Every year we upgrade the speed, we add new features, we make it better. And that's really because, you know, we're one of the few charging systems that's actually in the market, right? Being used on a daily basis, right? You know, people are, you know, customers are using this every day and they provide feedback. And then every year we implement that feedback. And I think that's why the roadie remains number one, right? It's because it's literally the people who are using it, see the innovation happening year over year. Uh, So this year, this September, we're gonna have Spark Day 2023. We're gonna unveil four new products into the market. Um, Basically a lot of them are targeted. You'll see that the roadie get an upgrade. Uh, There's gonna be some consumer devices in there. Um, it's stuff that really, you know, we have been monitoring the market, and I think it's really going to shock the world, um, the innovation that, that comes out of Spark Charge here in a couple of months. So September, we will be unveiling four new products that really take the roadie um, and our product offering to the next level.
0: So Spark Charge, Spark Day in September, sounds like a big party. It should be. All right. Well, I can't wait to get invited.
1: You, you will have an invite.
0: There you go. Hey, Josh, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your day and joining us on the Car Doctor podcast and broadcast. And uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with the business and how it's going to expand. Uh, It looks like you guys are right on track and going absolutely in the right direction.
1: Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Always happy talking with you.
0: Well, certainly electric cars are the future. Uh, you may not you may not want to believe it all the time, but uh, the more and more I drive, the more and more I see electric vehicles. I was recently visiting where my test cars come from my road test review cars come from and they have quite a few electric or plug-in hybrid electric vehicles there so certainly as we look at the future and we look at people charging their electric cars uh, eventually those people are going to run out of electricity maybe while they're on the road the good thing is most people with electric cars don't do that uh because they start the they start the day with a full tank of electrons i guess you would say anyway uh that's some of what we're doing today uh and looking at spark charges makes it really pretty interesting as promised uh, some of the various questions I get during the week, I kind of wanted to go over some of those just to uh, let you know what's going on. And here's one that came. Uh, it says, my mechanic recently repaired the air conditioner in my 2003 Buick Century. And we've had some warm days, but although not excessively warm right now. After several attempts and finding leaking parts, it's ice cold from all the vents usually. When driving on several occasions since the repair, it starts off ice cold and seems to get less effective. When I drive dropped by the him. It was blowing ice cold from all the vents. He moved the hot and cold levers up and down and restored it to ice cold. So it wasn't blowing, I I guess, wasn't blowing ice cold from all the vents, and uh, he played with it and got it to work properly. He stumped, is there some sort of valve that collapses or some other factor? This is a totally manual air conditioner system, not auto climate control. Any thoughts or direction would be helpful. Uh, There is a temperature blend door, even on manual systems that blend the, uh, and there's a, uh, has a blend motor or actuator that could be failing, and you know, when you move from warm to cold. Maybe it's causing it finally to snap open or close. That could be part of it. Uh, the second issue could be the system could could actually still be a little bit low on charge and the evaporator could be freezing up. The evaporator is the part that sits inside the car. The condenser is the part that sits in front of the radiator. The evaporator is the part that sits in the inside of the car. It's the part that actually takes the heat away from the air going by. And it's a possibility there's also moisture in there that's causing the uh, expansion valve or orifice tube to freeze up. Uh, you know, if this was my car, I would check to make sure the blend door was operational. I'd probably also evacuate the system and remove any moisture and recharge it with the correct amount of refrigerant just to check the overall performance. This is a question I get quite a bit, um... As people are thinking about buying new cars and they wonder about turbocharged engines. If you ever owned a turbocharged car, maybe you owned a turbocharged Thunderbird or or maybe a turbocharged Chrysler product back in the 80s, uh, and you realize those cars kind of wore out pretty quickly. Um, so, what is your opinion on turbocharged cars? I was thinking of a 20. Uh, 2023 Highlander, but recently noticed they're doing away with the six-cylinder and using a new four-cylinder turbocharged motor. Uh, just the fact it's a new motor concerns me, but I've heard turbos put a lot of stress on the engines, wearing them out sooner, among other problems. What's your thoughts? Today's engines, yeah, they they use we see turbochargers a lot, but today's engines are also, I think, more. Um, robust than their non-turbocharged versions. Uh, It used to be, you know, when a manufacturer put a turbocharger on the engine, I don't think they did a whole lot more to it. They just hung the turbocharger on it and hoped for the best. Today, they actually look at how the engine's designed, and they design it specifically to get a turbocharger put on it. The other thing that happens is when you're out on the highway, let's say you're cruising along 65 miles an hour, you're probably only using somewhere between 7 and 15 horsepower. Uh, so you don't really need, the turbochargers are not doing anything. The engine's not working very hard. Turbochargers work when you have your foot into it. So passing a slower moving vehicle, merging onto the highway. Probably that's 70% of the time it's running without the turbocharger and maybe 20 or 30% of the time the turbocharger's kicking in and it's not running at full boost. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we're seeing turbocharged engines last a lot longer. I remember when turbocharged engines came out, And there was always special rules like, uh, you know, make sure you change the oil really often. Make sure you use synthetic oil before you shut the car off. Let it sit in idle for a minute or two so the turbocharger can spin down without causing any additional wear and tear. We're not seeing those problems anymore. So I think um, turbocharged engines could be a good choice. So, you know, if that's something you want to consider... Uh, I wouldn't be afraid of it. I think they'll be okay. Although I will say there's no substitution for cubic inches. It is kind of nice, even as much as some of these four cylinder turbocharged engines, like the one I just drove recently, 300 horsepower, four cylinder engine in a Ford Explorer, plenty of horsepower, but there's something about a bigger engine that just feels different. Um, but this one certainly had the four-cylinder turbocharged engine, and the Explorer certainly had the power. And as someone pointed out to me recently, uh, the uh, bigger V6 engine in the uh, in the Ford Explorer, when the water pump fails, it's about a 12 hours worth of labor. The smaller four-cylinder turbocharged engine, it's about two hours worth of labor. So a little bit easier to work on because the turbocharger uh doesn't bury all the parts, so it makes it a little bit easier to look at. Somebody wrote to me, and this is one of those weird questions. And again, if you want to write to me with a question, my email is jpaul at com. Weird situation. Somebody's been loosening the lug nuts on vehicles parked outside of my driveway. The two front tires on one vehicle, another lug nut was found on the ground from a car... Uh, My son had just purchased. I know, it's weird, right? My son was telling me about locking lug nuts before I invest in all five of our family vehicles. I wanted to know what you know. Well, locking lugs would maybe keep your tires from getting stolen, usually. They use a special design lug nut that requires a special adapter or key to remove them, although there are tools you can use that sort of Make it able. Make it able so you can remove them. They don't work that great, honestly. Um, the key that's designed for the lug nut is really what's there to get the lug off. Um, so they do do. They're pretty good for uh, theft prevention. Uh, one issue is you need to make sure you hide the key somewhere in the car, just in case you do get a flat tire and you need to put the spare on. Many times at AAA, we go out and we go to rescue someone with a flat tire, ask them where the locking lug key is and they don't have it. Uh, it's either at the last repair shop they've been on, been at, or they left it home for whatever reason. I I have one car that has locking lug nuts on it. Uh, it was a used car that came with them. I literally have the lug nut duct tape to the lug wrench, so I always know where it is. My car that I bought most recently, which is now four years old, uh, it came with dealer installed locking lug nuts. The first thing I did was Took them off. I'm not worried about stealing the someone stealing the wheels off my car because it's not they're not fancy, um, and I didn't want to get trapped with the idea that I would have forget that locking lug somewhere. So uh, what I might want to do is what the police will tell you to do: park in well lit areas. Maybe even consider putting a um, security camera out so you can see what's going on. There's some really good ones now that incorporate floodlights and motion detect. Detectors and and uh, security cameras, so you can kind of keep an eye what's go eye on what's going on. You can even set a siren on if somebody's out there. You can it makes a noise, so it could potentially scare some away someone away. So locking lug nuts, yes, but I'd want to know why. That would be kind of one of my questions. I'd want to ask is why why is someone why is someone trying to steal my steal my lug nuts. Why, why are they doing that? So that is something definitely I would want to look at and maybe try to come up with an answer on that because that's something I would want to know about. Um, I promised we would do a car review and this week's car review is brought to us by Ford Motor Company. Ford F-150. Everybody knows the Ford F-150. It's the most popular vehicle sold and for i don't know how many years uh but this one's a little bit unique it's a it's called the power boost it's a hybrid pickup truck and it just isn't about fuel economy at least in my opinion it's about versatility yeah the hybrid battery does improve fuel economy around town uh but my opinion this is more about versatility and the tow and the ability to tow or use the f-150 as a working companion like all f-150s there's a dizzying array of trims and options, as well as two and four-wheel drive. Our road test was in the fully outfitted King Ranch edition. If you're not familiar with King Ranch, that's the fancy leather interior. It comes from a re- leather from a ranch called the King Ranch. Um, it was also equipped with uh, four-wheel drive and a very spacious four-door cabin, uh, Back seat bigger than, you know, any 1970s four-door sedans. The engine delivers 430 horsepower and 570 foot-pounds of torque with a maximum towing capacity of almost 13,000 pounds, 12,700 pounds when properly equipped, and it has a payload capacity of 2,100 pounds. All of this power translates into a big heavy vehicle that can hit 60 miles an hour in like sports car speed, five and a half seconds, all while getting an EPA Uh, fuel economy uh, average of 24 miles per gallon, and I averaged a little bit less than that, probably closer to 22. Um, The F-150 has a 30-gallon gas tank, uh, so you will need to remortgage your house to fill it at today's gas prices, but you can go about 600 miles per tank full. So everyone I uh, ask and everyone i run into you know we ask about electricity and you know can you can it run just on electricity can can the f-150 hybrid run just on, yeah, if you have a very light foot, the EV motor is only about 47 horsepower, and you are moving this 6,000-pound vehicle. So how is it to drive? It drives really well. Um, although the transmission seemed a little fussy at lower speeds, um, even during a three-point turn, it felt like there was an awful lot going on under the hood with the electric motor and the gasoline engine and all those things going on. Uh, this certainly was the gussied-up version of the F-150, the King Ranches, the well-crafted uh, leather interior, and like all new F-150s, add some interesting work Space the shifter folds completely flat so the center console flips open to make a computer workspace or i suppose a nice place to have lunch while you're checking your email the tailgate uh as i would call it as the old man version it has a pullout step and a pull-out grab handle to make cleaning climbing in and out of the bed uh nice and easy and safe uh while i had it i actually uh, took some stuff to the dump some leaves and branches and stuff and uh I wanted to be able to climb up in the back of it. normally, you know, you're kind of jump it up in there and whatever. And this one I pulled out, I pulled out the, uh, the step, pulled out the handle, a nice one two step up into the back, made it nice and easy to sweep out the back. Uh, there was somebody next to me and they were just amazed at that. and, I, and again, I kind of joked about it, it as kind of the old man version of how to get in and out of your car and do it with, uh, do it pretty easily and safely too. Uh, speaking of work, Uh, Since this is a hybrid, it also has a generator, in the case of our tester, and a 7.2 kilowatt system that can power 420 volt outlets, plus a 30 amp 240 volt outlet, which could actually charge an electric car. Um, Ford also makes a kit where you can actually run your house off of this, pretty interesting stuff. Um, There are also 220 volt outlets inside the cabin that could be used for powering a Uh, portable tool battery chargers, laptops, or printers. Uh, One other feature that I wish I could have tried out maybe next year uh, when I'm back in Florida is the Pro Trailer Backup System. I struggle with backing up my little boat trailer, and this truck uses a dial uh, or knob on the dash um, rather than the steering wheel. So when you put it in reverse, you can turn the knob, and it backs it right up nice and easy. So the bottom line is, um, you know, how is this King Ranch a luxury work truck? Um, How does it work? It's, it's good, It's really good. Sure, there are a few glitches along the way, but if you need to you know work at the job site and then clean up and get the uh, front row spot at the valet stand, the King Ranch uh, power boost, I think is just a ticket, a really good car uh, or truck rather. Um, you know, functional, uh, comfortable, reasonably good fuel economy for a big truck. It is a big truck, so it presents big truck challenges. I live on a very tiny street. I have limited driveway space, uh, so parking, whether it's in my yard or you know even in a, in a supermarket parking lot, uh, because it is a big truck, a little bit of a challenge. But uh, you know, once you get used to driving it, it's fine. Uh, again, big, comfortable. If you need a truck for work, if you need a truck for play, if you want a truck that can take the place of your luxury car, I think the King Ranch Edition. With the power boost, just becomes that much more appealing. So, how expensive is it? Well, they're not they're not cheap. About seventy five thousand dollars in the trim level that uh, was our vehicle. And if you're shocked at that price, go out shopping for a truck these days. It's not unusual to see trucks 80 thousand and more sometimes uh, for a pickup truck. So, you know, you spend that kind of money. It's got to do more than one job. So, it's got to take the place of the family car. And also take the place of the work truck. And I think the, the King Ranch, especially the power boost version of the King Ranch, will just do that. Well, that's our program for this time. Uh, again, if you want to get a hold of me, if you have a car question or a comment, uh, or I suppose criticism, you can go to jpaul at Send me an email. I do respond to every single email I get when it has something to do with cars. Um, so send me an email. You have a question, you have a comment, you have a criticism, uh, let me know. Send me an email. I'll be happy to happy to answer it, happy to go back and forth with you and talk about it. Uh, until next time, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you do see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.